Welcome to episode 11 of the Legacy Video Lounge. I'm your host, Steve Pender. I'm a personal historian and video biographer and president of Family Legacy Video Incorporated in Tucson, Arizona. You can visit Family Legacy Video on the web at familylegacyvideo.com. In this segment, we're going to embark on a storytelling odyssey. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Well, you'll find out right after this. The toasty kitchen, mouth-watering aromas filling the air. Mom's baking made our holidays delicious. Now her grandkids can watch her make her famous gingerbread cookies. Thanks to Family Legacy Video. Now you can share your life stories in a custom legacy video your family will cherish. To learn more, visit FamilyLegacyVideo.com or call 520-743-4090. That's 520-743-4090. FamilyLegacyVideo.com. If you're a story junkie like me, there's nothing you like better than hearing a great tale related by an enthusiastic storyteller. And getting access to captivating stories and storytellers is growing easier due to the proliferation of live storytelling events. In cities across the U.S. and around the world, folks just like you and me are stepping onto stages, shedding inhibitions, and sharing personal stories on a wide variety of topics. Live storytelling has been flourishing right here in Tucson, Arizona for over a decade now, thanks to the efforts of Penelope Starr. Penelope is the founder of Odyssey Storytelling and the author of a soon-to-be-released book packed with valuable advice for those who'd like to start storytelling series in their own towns. Penelope stopped by the Family Legacy Video offices recently to chat with me about Odyssey Storytelling and her book. So, Penelope, would you uh, introduce yourself to my podcast listeners and uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself and what led to your passion for personal stories? I started Odyssey Storytelling 12 years ago, and I started it after I'd been to a storytelling event in San Francisco called Porchlight, which my daughter-in-law started. And they're just now having their 14th year anniversary, and Beth... Uh, based hers on the moth out of New York City, which is kind of the great-grandmother of them all. So I went to this event in San Francisco. I was just blown away. I love the stories. I love the personal connection. I love the fact that the audience was talking to each other because the stories that they heard Um, kind of triggered their own stories. So it was a very interactive kind of community event, and I just thought it was fabulous. I was also, of course, very moved by the stories that I heard. So I I came back to Tucson, and I said, Tucson needs this. And um, within six weeks, I had my first performance. And that's a little bit what I talk about in my book, um, My Learning Curve, because I um, didn't know, I did not have a background in stories. I didn't have a background in producing events. I have, my background was really as a visual artist. But I was so enthusiastic and I knew I could do it. And the timing was perfect. There was a new performance space in downtown Tucson that doesn't exist anymore called Wild Playhouse. And she was, I, I met with the people who owned it, Joan O'Dwyer, and she was enthusiastic and she thought it would bring people to her. 
Um, and so it was a win-win situation. I printed up some flyers on my computer and stuck them up around town and told people to tell each other, and ta-da, there we were. We were in business. Um, so my passion comes from the fact that I guess I'm a voyeur because I love to hear people's stories, and I love to f- hear how people figure out things in their lives, and that's what you get a big dose of in Odyssey storytelling. Great. Now, you mentioned a book. You do have a book that's going to be published fairly soon, I understand. So it's called Voices Uncensored, The Radical Act of Community Storytelling. So we'll, uh, we'll mention that a little, bit, a little bit later on, but I wanted to get that out there so folks were aware of it. Now, you pulled that first event together pretty quickly. T- tell me about the very first one. How many people did you get? What was, what, what was the experience like? There were about 35 people in the audience, um, six storytellers, their friends and their significant others, and one person who walked in off the street because he was looking for a cup of coffee. It was called In the Beginning because that was the first time I ever did it. And I had six very brave storytellers volunteer to do this because it was a complete unknown. I didn't know how, what I could promise them. We held, held a rehearsal, which was basic me, me saying, thank you for showing up. Thank you. Thank you. And um, the show went off very, very smoothly. Um, I had to learn how to be an MC. They got lots of praise. They felt great about telling their story. And I thought, oh, this is fun. What am I going to do next month? Because I, uh, in that six weeks, I had taught myself how to make a website I had to do the PR. I had to f- figure out how to um, set up the money and all that sort of thing. So at that time, we're now a nonprofit, but at that time it was all just going through my personal account. I imagine in the years since, you know, you've learned some lessons and you've refined your process a, a, a bit. Would you describe the process? I I imagine there is a process you go through selecting storytellers, refining stories, getting them ready for the stage. So would you describe that process that's involved with putting a performance together and and helping the storytellers make their stories stage ready? Sure, sure. Um, One of the things we stress is that this is an oral art. So it's um, off the page, no notes, um, but p- if somebody's a writer, sometimes they want to uh, write their story out just to organize it in their mind. We also give people an outline so they can organize their stories. Um, but the rehearsal is where they really kind of refine their story. So the process would be um, you go to the website, odysseystorytelling.com, and on there there's a, a tab for pitch a story, and it asks... Um, could you give us a hundred word or hundred letter uh, synopsis of your story and a little bit tell us a little bit about you? And that will go to the person who's the curator for the month. Odyssey's completely volunteer run, except we have an executive director who works very part time, who kind of pulls everything together. Um, so you pitch a story, whoever is the curator for that month will contact you and let you know what the when the rehearsal is. We don't censor and we accept just about everybody. I had one incident where I had to deny someone 
in all these years. We're very democratic. That's part of this radical part of community storytelling. Um, because our goal is to give everyone a voice. And I think everybody has a story to tell. And our job is to help them tell it. So someone will sign up. We will have a rehearsal approximately the week before. And in that rehearsal, they receive coaching. It's an opportunity to try out your story off the page. We give them some munchies. We try to um, create a little community, mini community of storytellers, which actually is very bonding. Um, So the storytellers are encouraged to give each other feedback. And we model that feedback. Um, You know, this is what worked in your story. This is where I need more information. Would you consider that kind of thing? Um, And usually people's stories, even if they're really rough, sometimes people will come to a rehearsal and have it all planned out in their head. And sometimes people come with an idea. And we just let them tell it no matter what shape it's in. And then after the rehearsal, they have the opportunity, if they like, to contact the curator for a little, you know, a little touch-up or whatever. But every single time, the story is different and better once they hit the stage. So someone, uh, the night of the performance, people get there a little early. They get their pictures taken. We put them on the website. The curator is the MC for the evening, and they are the one that introduces the show, keeps the flow going, and um, the audience is there to love them to pieces. <laughs> is is there a uh, is there a particular theme every month, or is it a collection of, of yeah, things? Yeah, every month we pick a theme. We pick the themes for at the beginning of the year and put them on the website, so people can choose, but we expect them to interpret the theme very, uh, very broadly. So but if this um, Thursday, the theme is play, so that could be a high school play, or it could be playing a sport, or it could be being a player if you're a gambler, or, you know, so we, we want to have a lot of variety. And the curators, um, in addition to um, accepting people's pitches online, the curators go out and find storytellers for particular themes. If um, they know that the theme is play, let's say, um, they might pursue someone they know in theater. Um, and, And Because what we're looking for is balance. We're looking for a show that has a lot of variety and a lot of diversity because we're always looking to uh, tap into different communities and find people with different life experiences. So uh, you've kind of described the process. I I have an idea of what goes on during a storytelling presentation, the Odyssey storytelling presentation. What kind of benefits? I mean, it's been fun, obviously. People enjoy hearing the stories. But but other than having an enjoyable evening listening to stories, what kinds of benefits have have you seen and experienced? you know, as a result of these storytelling sessions. How has it benefited the storytellers? What benefits do you see on the side of the audience? Um, Both benefit, for sure. Um, One reason that a lot of people come to Odyssey Storytelling to tell their stories is because they're terrified of public speaking. And they've been to shows, they know that the audience is accepting and very open and um, very loving. So... 
they're just glad that somebody is taking this risk. So we've had lots of first-time tellers, first-time on-stage kind of people, which is pretty exciting. And when they are done, they are so empowered. They feel so um, so much. Their their self-esteem goes up. They feel like they really accomplished something. It's a it's a lovely thing to see. Um, sometimes people will tell a story that they've never told anybody before, and they'll get up in front of a room of 110 strangers and tell a secret from their past. And um, we say that telling a story can be therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Um, we don't have therapists sitting there <laughs> waiting to deal with it. But but a lot of times it's very cathartic to tell something. And what happens in a situation like that is the audience feels like they've been gifted and um, they're honored to be part of this process. And often it'll be on a subject that will be very close to a couple of people in the audience. So they'll have some kind of a, a, a close way of relating to what that person said. There's a lot of empathy, and sometimes they will connect with the storyteller after the show and say, oh, wow, this was so close to my experience. Thank you for sharing that or clarifying it for me or whatever. Yeah, like you said, it's fun, but it also goes deeper than that. Um, I think part of it is... Uh, that the audience will hear stories from people that they would not meet in their everyday lives. So they're exposed to someone who's gay or someone who lives in a ghetto or someone who's a roller derby queen. You know, our job is to find the the diversity and they just, they love it because they have these experiences that are different than their everyday lives. Because the and there's a community that's built up. There's there, there's a lot of understanding that goes on. Oh, okay, this person's life experience was this way. I understand now some of the choices that they made. So um, I think a lot of that kind of cross-cultural information is, is shared and um, it promotes understanding. Have you ever told a story? I have. Oh, okay. Uh, I did. I did this alone for the first six years. I was the only person on stage with the storytellers, and um, I always told like a little three-minute story. And if anybody has been to every show, they probably know my entire life history. Um, I felt like that was an important thing to do, first of all, to role model for the other storytellers, but also because I wanted to know what the experience was like. And then um, I have actually two or three times been a a storyteller. The storytellers have 10 minutes to tell, Um, and there's six at each show, so that kind of gives you a sense of what the evening looks like. But um, no, it's it's fun, and it's everything I tell the storytellers is true. That's one thing I found out. You feel great afterwards. Um, I don't get nervous. I don't know why. Um, A lot of people have a big case of nerves, and I so respect them for just dealing with it and going on stage anyway. Yeah. How have your uh, uh, audiences grown or changed over the years, do you do you do you have a like a, a core of regulars, or you know, from that first performance, do you now get a larger audience? Well, we've moved venues a couple of times over the last twelve years, and um, right now we're in a wonderful venue, the Screening Room, 
downtown and it's been um, remodeled. It's beautiful. The seats are comfortable. The audio and art is great. Um, everything's really wonderful about it. You can um, get beer and wine in the concession stand. They'll get you a pizza from next door if you want. So it's very comfortable. Uh, we've been in venues that were a little rougher than that. We've spent a number of years in the Club Congress, which is really set up as a music venue. So it was a little more difficult for storytellers. But right now, it's great. And, and it seats around 110, and then they can put some ch- extra chairs in. So that's that's about what the audience is. Sometimes we have standing room only. We've had to um, have people... You know, we've had to say to people, sorry, no more room, which breaks my heart. So there are regulars, but over the years, some of the regulars have changed. I don't know how to just say that correctly, but um, but yeah, there are people who were there every month in the front of the line because they want to get their particular seat. And yeah, um, our audience is becoming more diverse. That's some of the change that's happened over the years because at first it was just people I knew and now with um, different curators they have um, different spheres of influence They're, uh, a lot of them are a lot younger than I am so that has really changed our, our audience and also we've had some teachers that will bring their students uh, writing teachers at, at, in high school and in college so we've had a, a lot more age diversity. And I, and we've always been downtown. That's something I'm really committed to. Downtown has changed a lot in 12 years, and mm. I'm really happy yeah, to be sure part, be mm. all part of that. Where can listeners go? to? I imagine you've got a website. So what's the website or the phone number? Where where can people go to learn more about how to participate and how to, how to attend? It's odysseystorytelling.com. And if you want to be in touch with us or pitch us a story... Our email address is stories at odysseystorytelling.com. Can folks purchase tickets off the website? Oh, yeah. You can go to the website, and um, there's a link to the screening room's ticket buying thing. Mm. So you can buy. And some on some months, I really recommend it. Like I said, sometimes we um, sell out. So it's a good idea to get tickets online. And, and what's the usual cost? It's $8 for everybody and $6 for students. Now, let's talk a little bit about your book, Voices Uncensored, The Radical Act of Community Storytelling. You're expecting a release sometime this year? That's my hope. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm talking to a publisher very close to um, coming to an agreement. Uh, I'm really excited about this. I started writing this book about, oh, well, in 2006, uh, after I had just been doing Odyssey for two years, and I wasn't really ready. I thought it was a it would be a good idea to write this book. I didn't I didn't have enough experience under my belt, so I I put it away. And then I came back to it a couple of years ago, and I took some writing classes at Pima Community College, and uh, I have some wonderful writing buddies, and they really helped me create this book. I'm really excited about. It's. I'm calling it a, a how-to memoir with, with a, a twist of advocacy. There you go. <laughs> so it's 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 my journey of how I started this, and it's a lot of it is um, lessons learned along the way, and not just my lessons. 
it's um it's like some of the things i was talking about the the ways that storytellers have have um learned and the audience have kind of learned things that i didn't know was going to be part of this deal i thought i was just putting on an entertainment i had no idea that the power of personal stories was going to be such a life-changing experience for me and for the people that it touches. So, so the book will relate some of that, and, and will it have any excerpts from stories as well? Yeah, that, it's a book about storytelling, so it's all about the stories. So I use stories to illustrate all the points that I'm trying to make. And, um, and in the how-to part, I'm going to include a lot of forms and timelines, and this is how you can go about doing it. So my hope is to inspire other people in other communities to start a community storytelling. And if they want, they can contact me and I will be a consultant if they want to start something on their own. Because I think it is an event that is so healing for individuals and for communities. I can't be a, a, a bigger advocate for community storytelling. I guess folks can watch the the Odyssey Storytelling website for information about the book. Right. We have an email list. Oh, okay. Uh, If you go to the website, just click on the email list, and we send out two email reminders a month. We won't bug anybody. Okay, great. So so that's the thing to do if you want to uh, get the first word on when Voices Uncensored, the radical act of community storytelling... A how-to memoir with a twist of advocacy is available, right? And they can go to my website, PenelopeStar.com. Oh, great. Okay. And that's uh, that's star with two R's. So right. it's P-E-N-E-L-O-P-E-S-T-A-R-R.com or OdysseyStorytelling.com. Is there anything we, we missed that you'd want to mention? I think you're very thorough. You're a good interviewer. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's it for this segment of the Legacy Video Lounge. If you have any questions or comments, please email them to me at steve at familylegacyvideo.com. And if you like the podcast, I invite you to subscribe. Until next time, I'm Steve Pender reminding you that everyone has a story. Isn't it time you told yours? Yours.